0: Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. You can learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us on Sunday mornings at El Dorado High School in the Performing Arts Center at 9 and 11 a.m. Good morning. How we doing? Eh, yeah. all right. Good morning. Good morning. I love that you and your family rotate. Like, you're not one of those, like, you claim a spot like these guys. and who claim this spot and Carolyn and I mean I like that there's some movement every now and again um, but a lot of you just kind of plant and it's funny but not these guys you're rotating you're back there sometimes here you are I like it's getting closer I affirm that brothers and sisters good morning it's hot it is hot I am hot too but it it was hot we were at the Brea Centennial celebration yesterday Melting. There was some melting going on in the Erie family with the the redheads. We're just going, man, this is awful. Um, So so anyway, we are thrilled that you're here. If you're new with us, welcome to our community. Um, We are Vox, and we can be found at voxoc.com, and there you can sign up for stuff. You can find out more about us, voxoc.com. We do something called a New to Vox Dinner, uh, which is folks that are new to Vox, and uh, you can sign up for that, and then we're wrapping up things called table fellowships. I think we just have a couple more, Uh, but anyway, today, today is a big day. Whether you knew it or not, uh, today's a birthday party. Um, We turn one year old today, and so, yep, very exciting, very exciting. Been the longest year. Of some of our lives. No, it, it has been absolutely so. So uh, there, there were 80 people who helped launch this. Um, if you were one of the original 80, would you stand up right now? So Carolyn, right? You were one of the 80, weren't you? Stand up right now. Stand up. So these were people. Yep. So these were people who, before there was anything, were giving and praying and signing up to serve. And I mean, amazing. They are the reason. Uh, that there 's something rather than nothing uh, a year later, and uh, since then we 've had a, another hundred people join them, and so we have about one hundred and eighty people on teams that pull off services every week, so it 's absolutely amazing um, and uh, and so we 're super grateful uh, there will be cake afterwards, um, and uh, instead of doing yeah there 's cake, why not let them eat cake is what we decided, and um, instead of doing some great montage about how many things we've done and how great the church is. We just were like, hey, Jesus is awesome. And he gets the credit for this. And uh, so I just want to pray briefly and thank him and then, um, and then get going, okay? So Lord Jesus, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor uh, for birthing this community and for anything that's good that comes out of it. Lord, we recognize you are the author of it. Um, and we desperately desire to see the Lord Jesus be made beautiful, the Lord Jesus revealed uh, in his glory and power, and people drawn to him. And so to that end, we thank you and we bless you. We thank you for the people that you have called and provided, the resources that you have uh, uh, abundantly given. Um, but beyond that, God, we're privileged uh, to be a part of something you're up to. So thank you. Amen. Amen. And speaking of birthdays... Cue the Lion King music and the picture. Ladies and gentlemen, our very own Andy Laura had a baby last night. Shepherd Andrew Laura. There he is. Yep, sun's out, guns out. Beautiful. There he is. Right, so uh, if you don't know Andy, Andy hosts the podcast. Andy is one of our uh, team members, and uh, so he was excitedly sharing with us the arrival of Shepherd into the world on Vox birthday Eve. So there we go. We'll never forget Shepard's birthday and Vox. We'll just, we'll, in fact, we'll just celebrate them together from here on out. So we're excited about that. Also, if you are new to our community, uh, one of the things that we're big fans of, we're big fans of questions, we're big fans of skeptics, we're big fans of doubters, and so people are texting in questions all the time, some silly, some not so silly. We answer some of them on Facebook, we answer some of them on our podcast, we answer some of them here. So let's fire up the questions, ladies and gentlemen, that's the phone number, write that phone number down. Write it. Okay? Nobody did that. What translation is today's teaching? Now, this was from last week. So we were studying the, the first part of the Sermon on the Mount called the Beatitudes, and I read from N.T. Wright's translation called the Kingdom New Testament. So uh, as he wrote a commentary series on the whole Bible, he would translate the Bible. So I'm, I'm a big fan of groups of people that translate. So this is an, a, a translation that I like usually reference but to answer the question that was in T. write the kingdom, New Testament. Next, I'm a gamer. I sit with you in your suffering, and seriously, where can I get those donuts? So I think this is the person that has texted in two or three times wondering on Easter where we got the donuts. Now, and, and your persistence has paid off. So there is a young lady named Christina. Christina is 5'2", she's a Filipina, she is is, uh, kind of the spoke, or she's the hub of all the rest of us, she's kind of the the center of the Vox universe, Um, so you will see her, you will know her, and she has the answers for donuts, okay, she coordinates donuts, she's the one that got the cake for today, there you go, see these are very serious theological questions. Hi, to which we say, hi. Hi. I have a question about the fact that God appreciates how we do good things while no one's looking, but how come people usually only do good things when someone is looking? I go to a middle school, and if a teacher catches you doing good things, they give you a spirit card that you can buy candy with. That's what I'm talking about. But the kids only do good things when the teacher can see them, and when they can't, we do nothing. Why is it that people feel that if they do good things while people are looking, they feel more rewarded with themselves? And when we are alone, we feel there is no point. I hope this makes sense because this question was bothering me the whole time you were preaching. Okay, first of all, let's hear it for middle school, man. That was amazing. Nice job. And so, and so Jesus actually addresses this later in this sermon we're studying of his, where he talks about how if you do good things just to be noticed by people, then really their noticing is the only reward you get. But if you do good things, do them in secret so that the Father will see you and reward you. And so so there's this interesting sort of dichotomy here uh, in the following respect. On the one hand, it's not wrong to be caught doing good things but if you're doing good things in order to be caught doing them then truly that's the only reward you get so people will sometimes talk about an audience of one so so like when when i'm up here teaching i'm looking at you and subconsciously i'm wondering what you're thinking are you bored are you happy are you thrilled to be here were you drug here i mean i make all sorts of judgments on you as you were making judgments on me it's fantastic but if I preach in order to win your approval, right? God says, well, then the approval, if I get it, is the only reward for that preaching. But if I preach to bless and honor God, your approval then isn't as toxic as it would be if I were seeking it directly. Make sense? So, so to, to for Jesus, it's a question of motive. If you're only doing good to get caught, then it's not good. If you're doing good and happen to get caught, that's okay. That's okay, we need, we need more good people getting caught. But in a social media age where we are all taught instinctively how to manage our image, it's just far too easy to manipulate in order to be caught doing good. So I love that you're wrestling with this, I love that. At middle school I was not wrestling with such things. So I can tell you that right now, great job. So I think I've decided that the Bible is not infallible yet still much of it inspired by God. With knowing that some scripture is inevitably mucked up because of human influence, how do we discern which parts are best to hold on to? Well, the test I always use is just what parts I like. So, love love the love stuff. Don't like the hell stuff. Love the love the um, you know, I um, uh, love the prayer stuff. Don't really love the forgive your enemy stuff. That's how I do it. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, I guess I ask this from a place of really just longing for companionship and being absolutely disheartened by the choices available within the church. All right, so single people, evidently you are disheartening. I've held on to this ideal of wanting a a Christian man, but at the same time, it's like trying to find a needle in a haystack to find a Christian man that doesn't have some warped view on women needing to be submissive. (laughs) Obviously... Obviously, I want someone that loves and honors Jesus, but I don't know if I have it in me to live a single life with no sex for God knows how long, for the sake of hopefully maybe one day finding that needle in the haystack sincerely frustrated. (laughs) Now let me tell you right now, that is a great question. (laughs) Right? Oh my goodness, we've all wrestled with that one. All right, so rather than just 10 seconds, let's do a podcast on that sucker. Because there are two questions in this. Number one, so how do you sift and sort the Bible, and and is infallible the best word to describe what the Bible originally was? If you hold it to be infallible, or if you hold it to be inspired, how do you how do you wrestle through all that? So that's a really big question. And then the second question, and, and the more deeply connecting question, is I'm lonely. Um, I deeply want to be in relationship with somebody. This idea that celibacy until marriage seems just ridiculous. Um, And how do I wrestle through that? So I think that is worthy of a whole conversation, would you agree? I think that's a great, great question. We're on fire this morning. First of all, I was disheartened by the joke regarding a future podcast about your embarrassment with the Bible when speaking in the context of the Noah story. So last week we got a question about the Noah story where the questioner said, hey, there there are two, I have two friends who do not believe the Jesus story because of the Noah story. And I said, okay, that's great. We're gonna do a series called Embarrassed by the Bible where we wrestle through some of these passages. So this questioner takes offense at that. That slippery slope may cause seekers to doubt the inspired word of God. And like I said on Facebook, if they're seekers, they don't believe it's the inspired word of God, hence the questions. But then... When discussing the virtues of the meek from the Sermon on the Mount, you reference Psalm 37, which is filled with God's righteous judgment towards evil, wicked people. Is that not the Noah story, the one that embarrasses you, God's destruction of evil, wicked people to allow the meek or righteous to inherit the land? Great question. First of all, when I say embarrassed by the Bible, this is a colloquial expression that describes the apprehension that many Christians and non-Christians have towards some of the biblical stories it used to be that the bible and 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 the bible itself was like one of the big arguments for the truth of christianity right 66 authors 1500 years one unified story explain that well now the bible itself turns out to be a stumbling block for loads of people for loads of people And it's a stumbling block because of the Noah story. It's a stumbling block because of the hell teaching. It's a stumbling block because of teachings on sexuality. And my job, one of them, is to try to provide context for some of these things. And so embarrassed by the Bible is just naming the fact that many are. Now they could say, yes, we believe it's the inspired word of God. But when they read it, they're confused by it. They don't understand it or they're actually offended. Why does God command genocide? right, when Jesus tells us to love our enemy? That's a legitimate question. Why are there parts I don't feel comfortable reading to my children? Why are those in there? You know, why do the children's Bibles neuter (laughs) some of the Old Testament stories, right? So so I'm not saying I'm embarrassed by the Bible. I'm saying the Bible is a stumbling block for many, and that's worthy of being addressed. You can hold that it's the inspired Word of God. Many don't. So if you just want to beat people up with, well, it's the inspired word of God, just suck it up, that's fine. I don't do that. I want to be with people in their questions because I actually do think the Bible is brilliant and it's often misunderstood because we yank it out of its context and apply modern sensibilities to it. Yeah. I'm not embarrassed by God's judgment. We did eight weeks on hell for crying out loud. Are you kidding me? Over Christmas, what are you talking about? (laughs) All right, that was the last one, right? All right, now we are on. A manifesto for revolution, ladies and gentlemen. We are looking at the blueprint of the Jesus revolution, and this is not for the faint of heart, ladies and gentlemen. This is in Matthew chapter five. If you've got a Bible, let's do this. And if you don't, it'll be on the screen, and you can just kind of suffer through. Now, last week, we started with these sayings, this group of sayings called the Beatitudes. And they're so misunderstood. They're the be happy attitudes are like some sort of virtues that we're supposed to cultivate. And no, 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 Jesus is announcing who inherits the great promises of the Old Testament, And it's a pronouncement. It's not, I hope they'll be blessed. It's no, no, no. Those that are mourning over the state of Zion, those that are meek and waiting upon God for justice, those that are hungry and thirsty to see God's righteousness prevail in the world, those are the people who inherit the great promises of the Old Testament. And the line we drew from that was simply, who does God favor all throughout the scriptures? God favors the lowly. He favors the humble. He favors the dependent. He favors those who aren't happy with the status quo of the world. And so in our social media crazed world, we talked about how many of us want to do great things for God. And if we're doing great things for God, for the simple virtue of doing great things for God, well, often God isn't all in that. There is a a beauty in understanding that what God's looking for often is the, it's the hidden, it's the small, it's the non-impressive, it's the non-Instagrammable stuff that, that, that consists of our lives. It's not just the glorious part. So from there, what Jesus does is he begins to speak of his disciples in terms that were used about Israel. So what Jesus is doing is he's calling out of Israel a remnant of faith. And that faith is going to be based around him, not Torah, not temple, not Jerusalem. So this is pretty radical stuff that Jesus is about to do. Jesus is carving out a section from Israel of a renewed Israel. And he uses language from Israel's scriptures to talk about them. So Matthew chapter 5, bless you. This is a very, very well-known text, and that's the problem, of course, Matthew chapter 5 verse uh, 13 You my disciples are the salt of the earth but if salt loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot you are the light of the world a town built on a hill cannot be hidden neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everything in the house in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Now, isn't that interesting? So on the one hand, he says, let your light shine before others, but then he warns later, don't let your light shine just to be seen by others. So there's this nuance we'll pick up down the road a little bit. But uh, if you've been a, a follower of Jesus or a church person for any length of time, salt and light, you've heard these passages. And very often, I've heard them in political contexts. Like the job of Christians are to preserve traditional morality in the world. And so that's what it means to be salt and light. And I just want to say no, that's not what it means to be salt and light. So let's do a little Old Testament background on this stuff because Jesus is talking to Jewish people using the Jewish scriptures, all right? Now, salt, look at me. Salt, what's salt do? Flavor, thank you for being loud and not mumbly because there was a whole bunch of. Yes, so it flavors. It preserves, nice, the right biblical answer, preserves. But salt, and this is one of the unknown aspects of salt, and, and you know, is Jesus referencing this part or not? I, but this is how I've learned to think of salt. Salt was a part of Old Testament sacrifice. So let's fire up the Old Testament sacrificial scriptures. Leviticus, season all your grain offerings with salt. Do not leave the salt out of the covenant. Do not leave the salt out of the covenant of your God. Out of the grain offerings, add salt to what? All your offerings. Next. On the second day, you were to offer a male goat without defect for a sin offering, and the altar is to be purified as it was purified with the bull. Right, we all know this background, of course. When you have finished purifying it, you are to offer a young bull and a ram from the flock, both without defect, of course. You are to offer them before the Lord, and the priests are to sprinkle and sacrifice them as a burnt offering to the Lord. Okay, Next. Book of Numbers, you must not redeem the firstborn of a cow, a sheep, or a goat. They are holy. Splash their blood against the altar. Burn their fat as a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. We call that barbecue these days. (laughs) Their meat is to be yours, (coughs) just as the breast of the wave offering and the right thigh are yours. Whatever is set aside from the holy offerings the Israelites present to the Lord, I give to you and your sons and daughters as your perpetual share. It is an everlasting covenant of what? So there was a thing called a salt covenant, right? It gets referenced with David, too. Check this out. Very popular book of 2 Chronicles. That dude stood on mount there in the hill country of Ephraim and said, Jeroboam and all Israel, listen to me. Don't you know that the Lord, the God of Israel, has given the kingship of Israel to David and his descendants forever by covenant of? So what you have, yes, it flavors, which is what we think of. Yes, it keeps meat from decomposing. But salt also was a picture of covenant. So one of the ways you can understand you are the salt of the earth is the earth, the word for earth and the word for land are the same word. So there are some scholars that mean Israel, your, your disciples, Jesus, you are to be the reminder of the covenant to the rest of Israel. So you know how we have reminders of the covenant for us, right? Communion, the bread and the cup we take, baptism. That, that the followers of Jesus were to be the pictures of the covenant to the rest of Israel. Now we're going to explore that image here in a little bit, but I, that to me, yes, I left flavoring and yes, preserving, but to be a picture of the covenant is slightly more evocative, at least to my imagination, all right? So I want to hold that out as a possibility that when Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, you are the salt of the land, one of the things he's saying there is that you are the reminder of the covenant and its fulfillment in me to the rest of Israel, okay, Now, then Jesus says, he says this thing about salt losing its saltiness. He says, uh, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, evidently, you have something in Israel called the Dead Sea, which is the saltiest sea in the history of the planet. It's so salty, you just lay back and you float. And every razor burn, every small cut just burns Oh my goodness. I mean, it's like, but, but people travel all over the world to, to wash in the Dead Sea. It's so purifying. But the salt that's left on the shores of the Dead Sea evidently can be very impure salt. So, one idea that perhaps Jesus is presenting here is that, this, that the influence of salt can be diluted with impurities to the point where the salt isn't salty. Make sense? But there's another rabbinic idea that says something different. And so I'm just throwing out two different ways of understanding the salt losing its saltiness because can salt lose its saltiness? No, it would cease being salt altogether. So perhaps what Jesus is doing is using a rabbinic sort of trick. Hey, if salt loses its saltiness, what's it good for? In other words, salt can't lose its saltiness if it's really salt. And so a disciple of Jesus who isn't salt is an impossibility, is what he's saying. Now, if if I've lost you on this, this will make it worse. (laughs) So this is a later rabbinic writing. An inquirer reportedly asked a late first century rabbi what to salt tasteless salt with. He replied, the afterbirth of a mule. Okay, now, here it comes. In that society, everyone knew that mules were half-breeds and sterile there was no afterbirth of a mule because they couldn't give birth the point is you ask a stupid question you get a stupid answer salt can't stop being salt in other words what jesus is saying to his disciples is simply this if you are salt is it is impossible for you to lose that salt in other words an unsalty disciple isn't a disciple The only kinds of disciples there are are the kinds of disciples that season and flavor and remind Israel of the covenant. Is this making sense a little bit? This will actually become clear in the next image that Jesus uses, all right? Because he uses light, and then he talks about light being put under a bowl, which is ridiculous, right? Who would do that? So, the, so there's this kind of subterranean idea that perhaps what Jesus is doing is speaking hyperbolically to say, listen, if salt loses its saltiness, it's just thrown out. But hold on, Jesus, salt can't lose its saltiness. Exactly. If you're a true follower of mine, you will be salt. End of story. It's kind of the picture. Maybe the diluted idea is better. But he says, you are the light of the world Now. There's an Old Testament image about this, correct? The Israel was to be a light to the nations. Fire up the Israel scriptures. I, the Lord, have called you Israel in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, baby. Next. He says, is it too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I've kept? I will also make you a light to the... So it's interesting. You're to be salt to the land, but a light to the world. So you're to be salt in Israel and to be light to the world. So instantly you're thinking, like these people were steeped in the Jewish scriptures. Well, of course, this is Isaiah. But notice, Jesus is applying an image that was used for all Israel to just his disciples now. So this is where Jesus gets a reputation for being a little cocky, right? A little self-absorbed. He keeps redefining Israel around the circumference of those who are his followers. Make sense? Mm. Okay, next. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Next. Nations will come to your and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So what's Jesus doing here? Jesus, he's he's immediately announced who are the inheritors of the Old Testament promises? The people he has blessed. Then he says, okay, you those people are now the reminder of the covenant to Israel and you will be a light to the nations. He has just given them their vocation in his kingdom. In other words, what he's done there is he's given them identity, yes, you are salt, you are light, but then he's given them vocation because instantly, and and, and after this, he sends them out to do just this, Right? He sends them out, for, with 12 he sends out, then 70 he sends out, and they're just to go to Israel as salt, as a reminder of the covenant. But then, right at the end of Matthew, what's he do? Go into all the world and make disciples. So what Jesus has done is he's announced blessing upon them, and then he's given them vocation. Now this, oh man, now this, I know you're dazzled. But think about this for a second. Okay, so first, and the point we always make, is you've got to read this as a Jewish person would, as much as you can, that there's an Old Testament backstory to these images, right? Jesus is not instructing 21st century Americans to picket against political opinions we don't like in the name of being salt and light. Or let's fight for traditional marriage because we're preserving social values. Okay, that's just not what this thing is. In fact, if you're going to make that argument, then you've got to say, okay, well, interestingly enough, Jesus was salt and light in a way that attracted sinners. So if you're going to take that image and say, we're going to be salt and light, and your job is to repel sinners, I I dare say that you've missed the point entirely, right? Because Jesus was salt and light in a way that attracted sinners and concerned the religious folk. So if we're going to define salt and light this way, let's define it by Jesus, and he was pretty epic at the way he did this, correct? But there's something else going on here. Now, for some of you, this is the no duh part of our service. And in fact, I wanna make sure, I wanna make sure I get this right. God, don't be hidden. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot one part, duh. So you're the light of the world, but then he uses this image again. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. That's why I wear shorts. Instead, (laughs) they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. All right, so what's what's the purpose of unsalty salt? There's no such thing. And what's the purpose of hidden light? There's no such thing. If you are a disciple of Jesus, a true one, a real one, not just giving verbal lip service, salt and light are what you are. You cannot turn that off. You cannot say, well, I'm sharing my faith, but then I'm not sharing my faith. No, 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 you are witnesses fundamentally to the root of you. You are salt and light, end of story. Why are you guys whispering, Chambers? What's going on right now? Okay, you whisper here to Kristen, what? right now man. Yeah. what do you have a little earpiece <laughs> hey cc shut up i'm preaching here and it's all distracting ian leans over to kristen and whispers something and she laughs and then he leans over to bruce and they laugh what am i supposed to think my zipper's down you don't like the blue what and i know it's not about me I had important points, and they totally were interrupted. <laughs> All right, I'm moving on. I don't remember what I was saying, though. That's the problem of not, never using notes. Yes! Okay, so one of the things that I've always hated about, well, I shouldn't say it, about the way we do Christianity in America is that we have something called evangelism And we have something in churches called a missions department. And both of those represent very poor theology. Okay? You are witnesses. You don't go witnessing. You're always witnessing. Always. It's just a question of what you're witnessing to. And the church is a mission, it doesn't have one. Right? The way God. And and this is so important, brothers and sisters, we understand, because this really drives what we're trying to do here. God has always wanted flesh and blood to represent himself on planet Earth. So he creates Adam and Eve, flesh and blood, and says, reflect my glory and benevolence, right? That goes south. Abram, I'm going to form you into a great nation to reflect my benevolence and glory to the rest of the world. Here comes Israel, Israel, light to the nations. But what happens? Israel becomes part of the darkness. So here comes Jesus, the light of the world, correct? And that authority, that vocation gets passed on to his disciples and then from his disciples gets passed on to the church who now carry the spirit of God within them. So what Jesus is doing here as he's putting you and I in the place of Adam and in the place of Abraham and in the place of Israel and in the place of disciples, that same vocation now rests on us. The problem is we think that's an add-on to the main job we've got, which is to try to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. Rather than understanding deeply to the root, we've been reshaped and refashioned to now be agents of redemption in the world. And that is your primary job, no matter what you get paid to do. Now, all of us will agree with this, but none of us live as if if this were true, right? My job is to advance my career. My job is to get this degree. My job is to raise my kids. My job is to, yes, 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 And this goes back to doing great things for God, right? See, the invitation of Jesus is for salt and light to sit where they are, because salt and light are only effective if two things are true. Salt and light have to be different from their environment in order to influence it, and they have to be connected to the environment in order to influence it. So on the one hand, you can't seclude yourself into small Christian enclaves and expect to be salt and light. And on the other hand, you you can't just blend in with everybody else and expect to be salt and light. And so the same dynamic that existed in Israel, the same dynamic that existed in the disciples, the same dynamic, see that's why we read the Gospels. Because now that whole thing gets filtered to us in vocational terms. Now here's, here here dumb things about what that means. Are you ready? Like this is so ordinary and mundane. I'm very famous. I'm a, I'm a, I, I am probably one of the most famous people on the planet. I want you to know that deeply, deeply down. I am not. That is all not true, and I was surprised you didn't laugh, that you were just sitting there going, oh, okay. No. But I have pastored at several large churches, none of them as awesome as VOX. But um, I'm always around people very often who know who I am who I don't know. So, so I've learned how to live. Like my wife, my wife, my daughter and I were going for a walk and here's a guy coming out of a house. It's like, hey, Pastor Mike. Um, I've been in the hospital where, um, you know, and, and I'm, <laughs> and, hi, Pastor Mike. Hey, we thought we recognized you. I mean, just crazy stuff. I, I thought um, when I first got diagnosed with some heart stuff, called the ambulance over and all the paramedics were like, hey, And they're going through my library as I'm sitting there strapped into all these contraptions. Like, you wrote these? I mean, it was just, I mean, whatever. So here's what I've learned, are you ready? I can never pretend to be anonymous. I've been recognized, we were at a private beach in Hawaii because a friend let us stay at their home. There were 10 people on the beach. Somebody recognized my voice and said hello. I've been in the restroom doing unmentionable business. (laughs) And I've come out of a stall to somebody standing there saying, oh. <laughs> Literally, at the Brea Park yesterday, we have two, we have two Jewish neighbors and live several houses down. And they came up and said, we discovered this podcast. We had no idea. Right? And they start going on and on about how much they're enjoying the podcast. Now, here's what that tells me. I don't get the opportunity to just be a slovenly, selfish, obnoxious neighbor. Because they're watching now. I don't get the opportunity to just drive down the freeway and cut people off. I don't get the opportunity to just be anonymous online. I don't get the opportunity to be a jerk at a restaurant if I get bad service. I've had people give me bad service and then announce after the bad service that they know who I am. Right, not helpful. Okay, here's 25%. <laughs> Bastard. I mean, you know, just come on. <laughs> but here's what I've learned. It's as if I wear a shirt that says, I am a follower of Jesus, and I mean it. And then I live like, there's no place where I just get to be a jerk. Except at home. And then I, I so that's where I go with, no, I'm just, I mean, no. But do, but do you understand the point? The point isn't about, it's more about, imagine if you lived with a shirt that said, I'm a follower of Jesus of Nazareth. Would you live differently? Would you do business differently? Would you engage? And if the answer is yes then might I suggest the salt and light thing? That's for you, right? Because there's, and again, I'm not pretending. I genuinely want to be the same kind of person here that I am everywhere else. I don't want my kids to see Dad, big old dad the hypocrite. But there's a sense in which I've learned to embrace the freedom that comes from never assuming you're anonymous. And seeing myself as an agent of redemption, even in the dumbest, smallest encounters. Now, it's, not, it's in no way about how great I am, correct? I mean, that has nothing to do with me. That's just an awareness that comes. When Jesus is announcing you, brothers and sisters, are the sign of the covenant to the earth. You understand that? Your communion to the rest of the earth. Right, a bunch of non-church folks are not gonna come in and take the bread and the cup. What are they gonna take? Your life is what they see. If it's being broken and poured out, you, I mean, it's so simple. Whatever you've received from God, give it away. That's it. You've got grace, give grace. You've got forgiveness, give forgiveness. You've been shown compassion, be compassionate. And not for any glory, but so that people might see your deeds and give praise and glory to the Father in heaven. That's the difference. right? If they're praising you, we've missed it. If they're praising Jesus, we've got it. And so it's one of those pictures where, my friends, I mean, I know this is so easy, and we all go, oh, yeah, yeah, but no, we don't buy this. Think about what it means that you are the living representation that God took on human flesh, God died for the sins of the world, and is no longer holding the sins of people against them in Christ. So if you hold sins against people, you are invalidating the covenant you're supposedly embodying. Correct? Correct? To love people the way that you've been loved. I mean, this, see, this encapsulates the whole of life, not just the little religious part, or not just, oh, I'm sharing my faith now. No, this is a whole posture of living. For you to be the sign of the covenant? But the problem is, just as it was with Israel, what happens when God's people add to the darkness? Because don't we? How much Jesus honoring have we brought to our political system in the last year? How much Jesus honoring have we brought right to the big cultural debates about sexuality? I mean, the thing with Israel and the the thing that Jesus would rebuke them about is you're just like everybody else. You have national pride that isn't based in anything. You've got military options, you've got philosophical squabbles. I mean, there's nothing distinguishing about you. So sometimes when I look at me and I look at the church in America, I just kind of see the same critique of us. You just look like everything else. So what we thought we would do today is, uh, you were handed a piece of paper, correct? And a pencil? We want to do a bit of confession today. Um, It's hot, so it reminds us of hell. It's it's a birthday. I don't know. I don't know. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to write on a card uh, without identifiers how you add to the darkness, how the light gets covered. And that can be, like for me, it can be control Anger, fear. It can be getting too wrapped up and being right about politics. It can be unforgiveness and greed. It can be more concerned about my reputation than the message of Jesus. I mean, it can be any number of things. Whatever God brings to mind, all right? And if you can't think of anything, just ask the person next to you. But here's what we're going to do, okay? We're going to do, you know how usually we have two, we have one response where people get up and come to the crosses and stuff? We're going to do this twice today. Let me explain. Izzy's going to play three songs. We are going to, when you're done writing, we're going to come up and put, there are silver buckets around the room at our stations, okay? And you're going to place, you're going to fold this up and place it in one of the buckets, okay? Okay? Then, I'm going to come back up, we'll talk about communion, and then when you go to communion, the exact number of people who dropped off pieces of paper go to a different bucket and pick up a piece of paper and then pray God's blessing over that person. So one of the things we do is we have a prayer team that intercedes for people who write down things. We were like, hey, we have a whole prayer team here. So we wanna confess in two stages. First stage, how have I added to the darkness? My anger, my jealousy, whatever it is. Place that in one bucket during this set, okay? We'll come back, Then, then when we do the Lord's table like we always do, is you go to the Lord's table, go to a different station and grab, take a piece of paper and spend no time guessing. Oh, that one's Mike. Many of them could be, I can guarantee that. But take that time to actually pray for the person who wrote it, make sense? And you can do that today and throw it away, okay. God will judge you, but that's fine. (laughs) Or you can take that and actually pray for the person. So if the catastrophe would be that 200 of you do this and then some of you leave so that 175 come back and there are 25 unprayed for people. So the exact number of people who drop off need to pick up. Do you understand this? No (laughs) sinner left behind is our (laughs) motto. All right, makes sense. Okay, let me pray and we'll do this together. Lord Jesus, you know my heart. There is nothing surprising and that is terrifyingly liberating, that I've added to the darkness. But God, I deeply, deeply want to be an agent of redemption, a reminder of the covenant that you have made with people, somebody who is a minister of reconciliation and an ambassador of the good news. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would bring to mind those things. And Lord, we believe there's power in confession, fight through our self-deception. And God, would you move in our community so that those things that have caused us to lose our saltiness, those things that have hidden light would be exposed and removed and that this community would do a better job at reflecting your beauty, that I would do a better job of reflecting your beauty. So to that end, God, we worship you now. Please come up and drop these off whenever you'd like. In the name of Jesus, amen. So, um, here's what I wrote. figure you might as well know who you're dealing with. Lord, I've added to the darkness through my selfishness, my ego needs, my fear, my lust, my desire for comfort. Please have mercy on me, a sinner. I love you so much. I want to love you more. Mike Erie. And uh, I think there is such power... Because the scriptures say, but I also think we know, there's such power in speaking and agreeing with God, not that we're shameful worms, not that we're worthy of, of scorn, but rather that we're still in process, we're still broken, and that as agents of redemption in the world, we need redeeming ourselves. And um, I think that's why he uses us, uh, particularly those of us who are humble enough to walk in the reality of our bro- own brokenness. So what I want to do is, Um, We're going to open up the tables, and uh, if you would, go to a a different one. I'm going to hide this. Um, And uh, what we want to do is, um, as our usual practice, we want to go and take the bread and the cup um, and be reminded of not only the blessing that we have uh, to have peace with God through Christ, but also now the vocation that we have to emulate, to be a sign of that covenant to the world. That is a huge, huge responsibility. And, and and for me it's a it's a wonderful joy. I want that for us. That we begin to see ourselves, even in the DMV, <laughs> as these agents of redemption and blessing. We have always uh, prayer requests that come in through um, pieces of parchment written on the the walls and our prayer team prays for those every week. We love to celebrate with you, we mourn with you, we pray with you. But um, after you take the bread and the cup, go ahead and take one of these from a a different cup. And um, would you then spend a couple moments just praying um, for this person and asking God to not only bless but to heal, to deliver to speak. Um, if you are need, in need of healing yourself, we have these prayer shawls that just provide kind of a tangible way of us to cry out, and we usually have a couple of prayer folks over in that uh, corner um, to just pray for you uh, if you want to hear someone's voice right now. Um, other than that, we've got participation boxes around the room for those practicing generosity and that's it. This is, this is our turn to respond to what it is that God's doing. So thank you for your honesty. Thank you for participating in this. You don't have to do uh, anything you don't want to do. But I, we just think there's power in a community that prays for each other in its weakness. And so I want to pray and then yes. And then uh, we'll turn it back over to Izzy in her very special birthday outfit today. Lord Jesus, uh, there's no hiding from you. We do a lot of hiding from ourselves, but there's no hiding from you. And we just want to be people that speak truth, not to shame, not to, um, to uh, guilt, but rather to be free, um, to acknowledge both that we are your beloved children and we are still screwed up, um, to, to acknowledge that you see us as saints um, because of what Jesus has done, and that we're still... And, process. and so, Lord, we want to walk in the freedom that comes from not having to pretend. Um, and we think that's a compelling picture of salt and light to the world. And so, Lord, do the work in us that we can't do for ourselves. We approach the table today to receive, again, forgiveness and renewal and restoration. But we also approach the table to receive vocation and a job description. And so, God, would your spirit minister we welcome your spirit's presence and just ask that you would speak and guide and heal and move. In the name of Jesus, our Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, Cece, come here. Okay, I need, I need to introduce you to Cece. So this is Christina right here, every, every bit of five two. Now, if you have donut questions, this is who you talk to. Okay, now, Cece, here's the deal. If, if you are ever interested in coming early... Uh, we always need help um, uh, for people to set up in the morning. We need pickup trucks in particular. Um, or if you're willing to stay after the 11, we need help tearing down. We have this great crew, but whenever a couple of those folks are missing, like, so if you're just kind of like a buff man or woman, and you're like, you know what, I'm sick of this like trivial stuff. I want to set up some stuff. It's for you. See her? Or John, her husband, who is over here, but they can't see. So just look for her, and she will guide you. All right, anything you want to say? Okay, so um, uh, I'm going to pray. I got my own. This was amazing. I just was so thankful. No, I'm kidding. So stand up. Let's stand up together. Um, I wanna, I'm going to pray for this person. Um... I'm adding to the darkness by wishing for a better husband, Justina Erie. Oh, I didn't, realize, I didn't see that part. Dang, no. She does. She does. I think we all would understand that. Um, I want to pray for this, and, um, and then we'll do our blessing, okay? But I just want to pray kind of as a model for praying. Uh, so whoever is here, and they wrote the word prideful, first of all, I think all of us could join you in that. But Lord God, I lift up this person to you. You know who they are. You know their story. And you have opened their eyes to see this. And I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that, that um, as you oppose the proud but give grace to the humble, you would instruct, shape, and form this individual so that weakness, dependence, things that are so antithetical to those of us who want to be strong in the world, would become welcome and that, God, you would begin to deconstruct the false self, the imposter that has been propped up and allow the real self to shine through. And, Lord Jesus, that this person would learn the freedom that comes in humility and from no longer having to pretend. And so, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this individual. And we pray for all of those here wrestle similarly. In Christ's name, amen. Um, so I'm just going to hang on to this, pray for it throughout the week. A uh, couple of things. Number one, there's birthday cake. It's a birthday party. There's birthday cake. You understand me? Are you a birthday cake person? Okay, you and me, birthday cake. Here we go. Uh, secondly, um, I don't think there's a secondly. It's been a great morning. I'm glad to be with you. Happy Happy birthday. <laughs> okay. Yep. And they said we'd never last. <laughs> All right, hold out your hands. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And then these days, God, would you give us peace. Amen. Amen. And amen. Say hello to somebody as you go. Cake. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash community. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com slash participate.